0: to deal with difficult people. A message series on dealing with people that drive you crazy every day. Amen. Amen. We are in week 2 of our difficult people message series. How to deal with people that drive us crazy every day. Amen. Last week, we spoke, amen, in our week one, we we spoke about how to deal with critical people. Amen. And so, as we go into the Word of God this morning, we'll go into our week two. Um, If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. Amen. And I'm going to have you stand for the ring of God's Word. Get your last stretch, amen. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Amen. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Just one verse. But I believe it speaks to where we're going this morning. Amen. Amen. We all have it in the house of God. Amen. Here begins the ring of God's word. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I'll say that again. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this time as we gather, oh God, together to hear your word. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Father, as the faces differ, so does the needs this morning. But we're asking you that we will not leave here the same way we came, in Jesus' name. So right now, Father, we embed our hearts, we open up our ears. Oh, God, to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to his church this morning. And Father, we believe in you to speak life, to speak restoration. Right now, we come against the enemy. We come against every distraction. Right now, though, will try to hinder the word of God from going forth with power, and might, and signs and wonders following. And we thank you today. That we have the victory even now in the name of Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, Pastor, what are you talking about this morning? Last week we spoke about critical people. What are we going to talk about this Sunday? What's the next or the next type of person or individuals are we going to deal with today? So, this morning for week two, we're going to deal with overly needy people. And I just lost half the church. <laughs> overly needy people. This morning, We're going to deal with overly needy people. I'm not talking about needy people. There's a difference between being needy and overly needy this morning. And so we're going to speak this morning on how, amen, to deal with overly needy people. People. Now, as I was looking on on this subject of, of of dealing with overly needy people, you know, there's so many books out there, secular and sacred, that you can read that that kind of gives you different perspectives on how to deal with overly needy people. But you know, as I was reading, I, I realized that you know there were there were a couple of different um, groups that we can categorize overly needy. People. Um, this is not necessarily categorized through the scriptures, but it's just a, a comparison of what we see as we deal with people who are overly needy. You know, may, 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 you know, and and we have to understand something. First of all, we have all been in a place where we've been needy. Okay. We've all been in a place where we've been needy. So as I speak about overly needy people this morning, amen, there might be some things you could identify with because you say, I've been that person. I, I, I've been in that place or, or I'm dealing with someone who's in that place right now. And so we want to give you keys that will help you to effectively deal with overly needy people. So sometimes when we we read about overly needy people, one of the terms that they give these type of individuals, they call them emotional vampires. Emotional vampires because these are the people who suck the life out of you. These are the people who suck the life out of the room. Have you heard the term misery loves company? What happens when a vampire bites somebody as you as you watch some of these gory movies the the vampire who bites somebody that person who the vampire bites becomes just like them because misery loves company And so sometimes when you deal with overly needy people, they become emotional vampires. And so as we deal with these emotional vampires, we could break them up into different categories. So I have five different categories here this morning. So the first type of emotional vampire or overly needy person is the incurably insecure. They're incurably insecure. These are the ones that you just saw five minutes ago, but then they wonder if everything is still okay between the both of you. And they'll ask you, "Is everything okay? You know, you, you 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 didn't wave at me this morning. Are you mad at me? You hate me, don't you hate me? Oh, you don't like me. You know, oh man, I should get out your life." And and they just take things from one perspective and they just take it to a whole other perspective. They are incurably insecure. You 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 don't you you missed a phone call and they think that. The worst thing could possibly happen not that you don't want to speak to them anymore. So you have people who are very insecure, overly insecure, incurably insecure. And then you have the, the next type of category of, of, of emotional vampires. You have what I call the victim. The victim. The victim. It's the poor me attitude. The world is against them. And when you offer them a solution, they always say, yes, but... Yes, but I need you to do blah 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 blah. Yes, I understand that, but there's always a butt in the way. Their butt is always in the way. And sometimes they need to get off their butt to make things happen, but their butt is in the way. So they always play the victim, the poor me, everybody's against me. You know, I speak to people who visit like 20, 30 churches and they can't find the perfect church. I said, baby, there ain't no perfect church. And you're going to always find something wrong in the church because you play the victim. You can't tell me every church that you went through, there's always a problem. Maybe you are the problem. The victim. And then there's, there's another type of emotional vampire, another category called the drama queens and kings. These are the people who have a flair for small incidents that turn to off-the-chart dramas. This is a person always late for, wake, always, uh, always late for work. You know, you know, oh my God, traffic this morning was crazy. Oh my God, you know, it was just like crazy. I, I, you, know, you know, the highway was just messed up. And uh, you check in, you're like, I drove on the same highway you did and I got here on time. What, what, what you, the highway was crazy. And these are the people that always have something going on. There's always drama. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason why they can't do so. There's always something popping up. These are the drama queens and the drama kings. They take something so small and they blow it up. You know, they trip like, oh my God, I almost died. Like you just tripped. No, I was almost dead. Oh my God, they just blow it up. They exaggerate. They just blow things way out of proportion. Some of you are thinking about somebody right now as I'm talking. That's why you're quiet. Like, that's my coworker. Oh, my God. The next category that we have of emotional vampires is the constant talkers. One person called the blabbers. Blah, 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 blah. These are the people who aren't interested in your feelings. They are only concerned with themselves. You may wait for an opening to get a word in the conversation, but it never comes. Anytime you call girl, I had a long day. Girl, this is going on. And that gone. And you're like, well, let me tell you about my day. Girl, your day was fine. But you know, every time I go to this store, I always have problems with this person. And they just keep going and going and going and going and, going and blabbing and blabbing and blabbing. These are the people that call your voicemail and leave a 10-minute voicemail. <laughs> and let the church say, because y'all know who I'm talking about. Amen. And then we have the, his, 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 his his, 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 a hard one. We have the financial freeloaders. The financial freeloaders. Now these are people who aren't just in need. These are people who are habitually in need. And it is generally because of their poor decision making. Okay. They'll say things like this. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. You know, these are people who always are in poor places because of the decisions that they make. These are the people who always have some type of financial situation going on. They're always in need. These are the people who never get paid a good enough salary. These are the people who don't get what they deserve, but yet most of these people drive better cars than you do and live in better homes than you do and go on different things and experiences better than you do. But because of their poor decision making, they put their place in an overly needed situation of becoming financial freeloaders. So these are the emotional vampires and I'm pretty sure you could identify as I was talking, if I was chuckling to yourself saying, I know that person. I know this person. This person could be your relative. This person could be your spouse. This person could be a co could be a friend. Or you could say, man, I see a little bit of myself in that too. But we all have to realize that we've all been needy at some point in our lives. See, the part as a Christ follower is that Jesus had a heart of compassion to meet the needs of those who were around him. As we just read the opening scripture, Jesus said he saw the multitudes. The word of God said he was moved with compassion. And as a Christ follower, we're supposed to be moved and have a heart of compassion for those who are in need. When you see in the original text, when when it says that Jesus was moved with compassion, that very word in the in the Greek means that he was moved from his inside, his bowels. It's like there, 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 there was a, a, a great sympathy, a inward affection, a, a tenderness, a mercy that he had towards the needs of those who were around him. And that's the type of, 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 of attitude that we should have as Christians is to meet the needs of those who are around us. Now here's the thing. Jesus cared... More than anyone who has ever lived. Okay? You cannot out-care, out-love Jesus. Jesus is love. God is love. So we cannot out-love, out-care more than Jesus. Amen? No one can do it like Jesus. But one of the things that we read in Scripture and we see throughout the Gospels is also Jesus did not heal everyone or grant everyone's request. I'll say that again. Jesus did not heal everyone. This is God now. He could blink and stuff can happen. He could think it and stuff can happen. But he did not heal everyone. He did not grant everyone's request. Pastor, how come he didn't do those things? How come, how come, how come Jesus didn't heal everybody? How how come he he, he didn't didn't cater to everybody's beck and call? because he knew how to help people and when to help people. And so, I'm going to give you three, I believe, skills, if you will, or, 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 or nuggets, if you will, that would help you how to help overly needy people. Now, here's the key. You have to realize, am I going to be a helper? Or or am I going to be an enabler? Because there's two different things between being an enabler. Some of us are enablers but we're we're not helping the person. We're actually hurting the person. And so today I want to talk about how to help without enabling. How to help without enabling. The first point that i want to give you this morning is offer what they need and not what they want. I'll say that again. Offer what they need and not what they want. In the book of Acts chapter 3 verse 1 through 8, it says, On one day Peter and John was going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So as the man gave them his attention, expecting something from them. Now let me give you a quick backdrop. You have to understand back in the biblical times, there were only three places that beggars sat to get money. They sat on the highways because there was traffic people moving back and forth. They sat in, 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 in front of, of, of wealthy people's homes. So hopefully when they entered and left their home, they would drop something to them. But the most lucrative place that beggars sat was at the temple was at the synagogue, was at the place of worship. It was at these places where the Pharisees who were full of themselves, full of pride, would, would, would say, here's my five dollars, here's my good deed to show the people, hey, this is what we're doing. But you see, they did things with that outward appearance, but their heart was far from God. So here this man was put here at the gate, beautiful, hoping to get something, hoping to, to, to fill a need. He was overly needy. But as we continue to read in verse 6, it said, then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. For what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him up by his right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising the Lord. As I was reading this scripture, two things popped out at me. Relief versus restoration. When someone is in overly need, overly needy, they want instant relief. If someone's a financial freeloader, I got to pay this bill, I got to pay this bill, oh my God, they're going to kick me out, I got to pay this bill, oh my God, I'm going to lose my car, I got to pay this bill, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And, 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 and the thing is, we, 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 we want to get caught up to, to give them the instant relief, but is that really going to help them? It might help them in the moment, because relief is immediate and temporary assistance. And, and, and John would have gave this guy money it would just provide it temporary, temporary relief for him but it would not help him to, to, to deal with the deeper need he was crippled and so when we deal with people who are overly needed we have to realize that we don't always need to give them relief but when to look deeper to say, hey, how does God want to restore this person? Maybe instead of me giving you $500, maybe I, I, I show you how to, budge, how, how to budget. Maybe in, 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 instead of me getting involved in this situation, maybe I'll, I'll show you how to get the proper skills that you need. Because let me tell you something. When you deal with someone who's overly, overly needy, if they really want help, They'll take your, your, your advice. They'll take your assistance. You know, there, 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 there's people, I'll, I'll give you an example. One night, Pastor Alvarez and I was leaving the church, and we went to a man um, a restaurant. I think we went to um, Boston Market. So it was outside of Boston Market. So it was, it was this guy outside of Boston Market said, man, I'm so hungry. He asked the people, can you give me some money for some food? I'm so hungry. And so I said, well, sir, I'm not going to give you no money, but I'll buy you dinner and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, know, we're gonna hook you up with a meal, give you some relief. And he had the nurse say, oh no, I don't like Boston Market, I want Subway. (laughs) And I said, you're not hungry then? And I walked in the store and I I kept it moving. Because some people want instant relief, but they don't really want, it's like the person who say, "I I need a job, 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 but what you doing to get a job? Oh, there's a job at McDonald's, but you think you're too good enough to work for McDonald's. You don't really have a real need there. You're not, you're not hungry enough. You're not desperate enough. You think, you, you think that's beneath you. But see, God has to humble you. You have to identify the real need. What's the deeper need when someone comes to you who's overly needy? Don't just look at the surface. They'll just give them relief. See what's the deeper thing that God wants to restore. Maybe it's something he's dealing with them about their character. Maybe something he wants to deal with them about their past. Maybe there's something that's there that they don't even see that's there. You see, when a person is overly needed, they will often want something and believe with everything in them that this is the best thing for them. But the truth of the matter is God may give you wisdom or insight to say, this is may be what they want, but it's not really what they need. It's not really what they need. And here's another key thing. Don't provide them a handout. Provide them a hand up. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. A hand up is different from a hand out. And pay attention to their actions and not their words. Because we could easily say things out of our mouths, but our actions don't line up with what we're saying. If a person has a real need, that action's going to line up. They're going to do what they have to do. I remember years ago when we were at 200 Central Avenue, our first building, and we had this gentleman came in, and you know he was homeless because he wasn't even shaved. His beard was just a tattered mess. And he came to church and he said, I have a need. And you see, when someone has a need and they're serious about it, they'll do whatever it takes to, to, to meet the need. So we went and got him some clean clothes, some socks, got him a beard, got him a shaver to shave his beard. By the time church was over that Sunday, I didn't even recognize the guy. He, I mean, my t- remember he took off the beard and it was like a total new person. But he was so grateful that he said, you know what, I'm going to clean the whole church. I, you know what, y'all met my need. I'm so sad. I don't need a job. Can y'all do, I'll do whatever I need to do so I can experience change, so I can experience restoration in my life. When someone has a real need, look at their actions. Let me tell you, some of us, we got silver tongue. We can talk it out. I mean, we can do. We 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 could we could have the crocodile tears. Oh my God, you know, I'm all by myself, and no one wants to help me, and woe is me, and and then and then and then. And you just get lured right on in, you know. And if you hear it time after time after while, you just get numb, so you're like, okay, mm-hmm. You need how much money? All right, okay. And you just go through the cycle. But sometimes you have to stop and see what the deeper need really is. So how to help without enabling or for what they need and not what they want. Number two, set healthy boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. We have this thing called stay in your lane. In other words, stay within your limits. Stay within your boundaries. In other words, respect my limits. When you deal with overly needy people, you have to set your boundaries. As a matter of fact, you should have boundaries set, period. Period. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 37, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you, Jesus! Where are you? We've been looking all day for you! Jesus at his body and was like, look this, is my, yeah, look, yeah, look, this is my time with me and my Heavenly Father. This is, my bound, this is my place of prayer. You have to set boundaries in your life. You have to set boundaries in your life. i give you an example. You're at work. Your friend calls. you. start texting you, but you know you've got to focus on your job. You know you got to focus on your work. But they keep bothering, keep texting, keep texting. They have to respect that you're at work. That I can't talk right now. You can't just come and drive by my job and pop up at my desk. Sometimes you can just pop and and pop up at my house. Come on now. Y'all quiet in here. Even parents, sometimes you have to have boundaries with your kids. Sometimes you need mommy and daddy time. Y'all go in the room. I'm going to lock my door. Don't bother me. I need to be by myself right now. Me and daddy are going to have our moment right now. Come on now all laid up in the bed 24, no, 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 they got to have some boundaries today, got to have boundaries, and you have to have time boundaries, I call it, you have to have boundaries with your time, everybody know not to bother, i not burning out on Friday nights, so that's our date night, don't call me, don't bother me, I love you, amen, you can speak to anybody else, amen, unless the church is burning down or something like that, or someone died or something like that, that's our time. We keep that time sacred. That's our time. You want healthy pastors, we need to have our time. And as you deal with your friends and relationships and those different types of things, you have to have boundaries. If you're married, set time for you and your spouse. Set time. Don't think, it's just gonna happen by the process of osmosis? No, you gotta set time. You have to be intentional. Set time, boundaries. If you're gonna meet on the weekend with Saturday morning, it's our time, baby. That's our no no one's gonna no what's gonna come in that. Oh, they haven't messed me, but look, this is our time. We gotta make up the time somewhere else. You see, you have to be so intentional about keeping your time. Set time boundaries. You can't be wishy-washy all over the place, appeasing to everybody. You'll never get things done. You'll be all over the place. And this is a season where where God wants to put order forth in our lives. You have to have time boundaries. And the next type of boundaries that you have to have, you have to have resource boundaries. Resource boundaries. Resource boundaries. Resources in terms of of your finances, in terms of your energy. You know, if you're always on the phone with somebody and it's a lopsided relationship, and you know what I mean by a lopsided relationship. In other words, you're giving, 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 and they ain't giving nothing back. I, I, you, I can't be on the phone and you're going to drain me every time. I, no, 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 no. I, I, I can't do that. If you're calling me to dump on me every time. No, the, 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 this, that's not healthy. It's becoming, it's, it's becoming a toxic relationship. And some of us are so full of toxins because we're around a lot of toxic people. You know, some people, you know, you're the person that everybody goes to and talks to. But who do you talk to? You need someone to challenge you. You need someone who you can share your heart with. And if you're always around needy people, you need to be around people who can pour back into you. So you have to have resource boundaries. Resource boundaries defines what other people can expect from you, or what they can expect from you. I have resource boundaries as a pastor. There's certain things I just won't do. I don't have the time to do. I'm not going to be involved in certain things. There's times where where people can volunteer for certain ministries and different things and that's wonderful. That's great. But then they have boundaries, which is awesome. You have to have resource boundaries. You might have to set a resource behind with your job. I want overtime. You get, you get all this overtime, but sometimes you just say no to overtime so you can get home. It's quiet in here. I'm working overtime. I got to make the action. I got to make the action. I got to do I got to get that time and a half. I got to do that, And you're going to kill yourself. While your children are growing up, you're going to kill yourself. Sometimes you need to come home. Sometimes you don't have the energy on the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to do with certain things. You have to put boundaries on your life. Boundaries keep you safe. They keep you safe. Boundaries will keep your marriage safe. Brothers, you got some woman talking to you all up in your face, nose wide open. You better set a boundary. Chick, you better back up. How yeah. you, you know you, you sit so good, and you know, stuff like that. Wow, your wife must be real lucky to have a husband like you, and, and then you know, you're just such a hard worker, and then it-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they're just singing your praises and your ego is getting stroked. You better set a boundary. You better set a boundary. Ladies, oh, you smell so good every time you come to this office. Look at you. You, you better set a boundary. You better, you, you better put it in check. One time me and Pastor Run left here on a Sunday. I think we had separate cars that day. So we went to the supermarket and man, that guy saw you. And then we went up by the bank and he said, so this is the second time we've seen each other today. <laughs> And I'm in the other car. I'm just watching because he doesn't know that I'm scoping the whole situation. And so I'm just smiling. I'm just like, she about to check him real quick. You know, and and she said, I'm married. He said, that's good. That's nice. Again, they don't care about it. And she said, and my husband is right there. Oh, 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 okay. You have a great day. You have a great day. You, 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 you better set some boundaries. Stuff getting hot, you better say, oh, my wife is, co- oh, look, I got, oh, I just got a text, I got, I got. You better get out of that situation. You better set some boundaries. Let me tell you something, the devil knows your type of ice cream. He knows your flavor. See, I, I ain't talking about the people who like, mm, please, not her. Ew, ew. I'm talking about the people that make you go, hubba, hubba, hubba. You better set some boundaries. I don't even know why the Holy Ghost got me here. I can't even move. You better set some boundaries. <laughs> you better set some. You, let me tell you something. You, if you're going to survive, if you're going to have any type of healthy relationship, you got to set boundaries. Whether you're married, you're single. You're single, you better set some boundaries. Amen. You caught and you better set some boundaries. All four feet better stay on the floor. Stop all that swapping spit. You better set some boundaries. Holiness is still right. Don't defraud each other. Come on now. Oh, it's quiet in here today, but I must say what I got to say in Jesus' name. You better set some boundaries. When Pastor and Vernal were caught, we knew midnight, that was it. The carriage turned back into a pumpkin, so the runner had to go home. You better set some boundaries. It's how you maintain and sustain yourself. If you don't have healthy boundaries, especially when you deal with overly needy people, needy people, your life will become a mess. Cuz you want to answer everybody's beck and call. And guess what? You're not God. You can't be everybody's savior. That's Jesus' job. Why are you trying to do Jesus' job? You can't do the work of the Holy Spirit. Try to convince people. No, that's his job. And convict people. That's that's his job. That's not your job. Sometimes you got to cut people loose and just let them be. And that brings me to my third point how to help without enabling. Three, allow them to face their consequences. Allow them to face their consequences. This is why I call it tough love. Allow them to face their con- consequences. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It said, Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You cannot rescue everybody. Some people, you need to let their consequences deal with them. Because that's the only way that they will get help. Some people have to hit rock bottom before they can look up to ask God for help. I mean, we were dealing with one brother, and he wanted a, a place to stay. He wanted, maybe he wanted to live at the church. I said, like, you can't live at this church. I don't know you. I'm going to let you live in the church. You better find some place to live. Well, Pastor, I don't got no, I don't got no place to live. Well, there's the Bergen County shelter you can go to help me. No, I don't want to go to no shelter. You know, so we went went around about two hours of having this conversation. I said, well, you're not going to stay here. So after a while, he had to go to the Berger County shelter. He had to get his life together. There's sometimes you cannot rescue people, no matter how severe it is. As a pastor, there's marriages I know that are going through, or going through, and going through, and and, and you could try to pour and pour, but let me tell you something. If they ain't both willing to work it out, it ain't going to work. Your marriage was long gone before you came to me. And I'm not the miracle worker. Y'all better go to Jesus. Sometimes you have to allow people to face the consequences. You read what you said. You cannot mock God. God is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. But you still got to deal with the consequences of your sin. If I murder somebody, I might get the death penalty. I can't beg people for mercy. I killed somebody. You took drugs and was on crack for 20 years and half your nose is gone and you're busy. Your eyes are blinkers. You're all messed up. Let me tell you this. Yes, God can heal you, but that's the consequence of your sin. You go out there to get an STD, get AIDS, that's the consequence of your sin. But God's supposed to fix everything? No, 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 no. Grace will save you, will restore you, will redeem you. So at the end, you can go to heaven. But you still got to do, you, you do the time, you do the crime, you got to do the time. Come on now. Sometimes I can play, oh man, my knees bother me, or this bother. Well, look, it took a lot to get here. It took a lot to get to this size. It didn't happen overnight. I got to deal with the consequences. That's why I'm trying to walk to get this stuff off. Come on now. Sometimes we complain and pray for my healing and pray for this and, and pray for that. No, you got to deal with the consequences. What are you doing about it? Yeah, I can pray the Lord will, sh- will lower your blood sugar. Yeah, I can pray the Lord would take your, your high blood pressure away. But if you go into to KFC afterwards, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's not working. That's not working. You have to allow sometimes people to deal with their... Consequences. Rescuing isn't always helping. So I ask, you, I ask you this question. Are you really helping or are you hurting them? Are you really helping? Some of your parents, kids don't do their homework, so you do their homework for them. Are you really helping? Are you hurting them? You can't do everything. Even as even parents, you can't do everything for your kids. If your child is 25 and still on your couch and don't have a job, um, you didn't kick them out. If your child is 35 and still on your couch, you didn't kick them out. Come on now. You cannot enable people, you're not helping them. Well, that's my baby. Especially mothers with their sons. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's their baby. No one can talk wrong about, they can't do no wrong in their mama's eyes. So I I was always told your father could give up on you, but if your mother give up on you, that's it, you're done. But it's nothing like the uh, heart of a mother. Nothing like a mother's love. But let me tell you something, are you enabling? Are you really helping them? Well, pastor, you know, I'm just helping them them to get on their feet. Well, how long does it take to get on your feet? How long? does it take to get on your feet? How long? Well, you know the economy passing on, so you're enabling. If they really want a job, McDonald's hiring. They're hiring for the holidays. You got Target. You got Walmart. You got so many other, but UPS is hiring. You got no excuse. You got no excuse. If there's always a butt, always a butt, always a butt, always a butt, let me tell you something. That's let you know they're overly needy, and you need to cut them loose. Some of you always trying to save your friends. Let me tell you something. If you get in a pickle and a bind once in a while, I get that. Life happens. We've all been there. But if it's a constant thing happening over and over and over and over and over, there's a problem. And you are a contributing factor to the problem. Jesus is the savior, not you. And I love what Jesus said in Luke 5:31, and I'm closing this morning. Jesus answered. He said, "It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick." Some of us know overly needy people, or maybe we can identify that we have that nature operating in us, no matter what perspective, what side. we all need Jesus. We all have deep needs. We all have need of a Savior. And so, as we pray, as we, as we close this morning, I don't know who the individuals in your life that you're dealing with that are overly needy. But before you could deal with them, you got to deal with yourself. We have to look into our own hearts to make sure that our hearts are right before God. We have to make sure that we're not asking man to do something that only God can do. Because sometimes we can put the pressure on people and what we really need is something deeper that only God himself can do through his son Jesus Christ. Because there's a deeper need. And so I wanna challenge you This morning, I'm asking all heads to be bowed and eyes closed. No moving at this time, please. But as we prepare to close this morning, I want you to begin to look at yourself. Begin to look at the relationships in your life, the friendships. Your relatives, your co-workers, your neighbors. And you'll be able to point out the overly needy people in your life. But I want you to help them without enabling today. Offer what they need and not what they want. Maybe you need to set some healthy boundaries. Maybe every time someone calls you, 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 you're to the rescue, you're like a superhero to the rescue, to the danger, to the problem, to the trouble. But maybe you need to set some time boundaries and some resource boundaries this morning. Maybe you need to allow some individuals, some relationships, some friendships to to face their consequences because it's gonna help them in the long run. Because God sees the deeper need of restoration and not just temporary relief or assistance. Father, we come before you this morning. We need you this morning, Father. We bless you, God. We want to be able to give hand-ups and not hand-outs this morning. If you're saying, Pastor, this message spoke to me. And I know there's some adjustments that I need to make in my relationships this morning. I just want you to stand so we can pray this morning you be honest just to stand this morning so we can pray hallelujah thank you Jesus shall we pray father in heaven we come before you and we thank you for this day we thank you for this moment in your word, oh God, that you're teaching us how to deal with overly needy people, God. Father, your word says that you were moved with compassion. You had, oh God, a heart full of affection. Oh God, bowels of mercy, of sympathy for those who had great need around you, Father. You wanted to meet the need that you wanted to be their shepherd because you saw them, oh God, they're their shepherd because you saw them without a leader, oh God. But Father, but even you had your limitations because you realized there was a greater need than just providing temporary relief. So Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are standing this morning, Lord those who are watching by way of podcasts going Lord And Father, I'm asking you that you would help us, Lord God, to be a blessing, to have that heart of compassion like Jesus did for those, oh God, who had great need, Father. But Father, we pray that you would help us and show us how to assist others when not enabling their issues, oh God. Help us to offer what they need and not say what they want, God. Help us to identify the real need. Help us to see the deeper need this morning in their lives that we might speak to it. They might not even like it, God, because sometimes the truth hurts. Oh God, but God, we're there to help to be a blessing because we want Your best for them, Father. Help us to set those healthy boundaries, Lord God, without time and without resources, Lord, and even with some, we might have to show tough love. To let them deal with the consequences of their choices, God. We pray for your mercy even in those times, oh God. We pray for the courage, for the boldness, because we know this is what you would have done, Jesus. And we want to be just like you. That's why we follow after you, God. So, Father, we humble ourselves. If we have been enablers this morning, show us in those areas where we have enabled others, oh God, to continue in their place of being overly needed. We want to see them whole and restored in the name of Jesus. For some of us, we might have to change our own mindset. Help us, God. Help us, Father. Help us to trust you, to take care of them, Lord. We're not the Savior, but you are. And we put our trust and every relationship and individual in your hands today. God, use us and give us the wisdom to minister to those who are in need. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, can we put our hands together?